This episode today is brought to you by Artery Inc. Let me tell you why I love Artery Inc. so much. When I was working in the hospital, I would walk in and it would be like, let's celebrate nurses this week and let's celebrate doctors this week. And everyone that was working in the laboratory, we were like, what about us? Like we do everything that we can to try to save patients' lives too. And we never get recognized. And one of the things about Artery Inc. is that they are a company that recognizes all medical professionals. So not just doctors and nurses, but also people who work in the lab or radiology. And they even have a pathologist assistant shirt now, which is crazy because I was never able to get one since I went to school for this. So it's it's really cool. They're a women-owned company. They draw all of their own designs. I just, I just think they're such a great company and one that's great to support because not only do they do all these great things, but they also give back to the community. And last year they donated like $36,000. So they're just really awesome people to support, especially around this holiday season. Yeah, so you definitely want to shop small this holiday season with Artery Inc. They're giving us a really awesome deal. You could get 15% off of your order with code love your insides 23 don't forget the s on the insides so everything's really top quality really awesome we've been working with them for a few years and it's cool that they draw all the designs women owned just like us you definitely want to support a smaller business for the holidays mother knows death Starring Nicole and Jemmy and Maria QK. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Mother Knows Death. I'm here with Maria, and we are going to get started with our story of the week. So our featured story this week is all about Taylor Swift. I'm sure everybody's extremely irritated hearing her name with the pop culture phenomenon happening right now with her. Wait, and can I Kelsey. just can I just cut you <laughs> off for a second? So obviously, like I was I was just like intrigued by their relationship in the beginning. So I read a couple stories and now my entire algorithm is just stories about Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift all the time. It's it's seriously is so annoying. I mean, really, I don't mind it. I think he's a very attractive person, so I don't mind seeing his picture coming up in my feed, and I think they're a pretty nice family. Uh, we talked about them a little bit last week. Anyway, this is not your standard Taylor Swift story because it actually has everything to do with us. So she was she brought her Eras tour internationally. She was playing in Rio de Janeiro in Brazil on Friday evening, and in this area of Brazil, they were reaching record-breaking heat wave. They were saying that the temperatures reached around 104 degrees, but some were saying it felt between the humidity index and everything around 140 degrees. I can't even fathom that. So it was really hot. You could even see in videos taken of her singing that she's almost gasping for air, which I can't even imagine performing being in a situation that hot. But one of the fans what got so overheated. What if I offered you like $100 million? Could you, admit, could you imagine doing it then? <laughs> I could deal, of course. <laughs> all of a sudden, it wouldn't feel so hot anymore, right? Exactly. But all of a sudden, one of the fans got so overheated that they sought medical attention at the venue and were brought to a hospital and later died. So this has been kind of a crazy situation because she was supposed to play the next night and a couple hours before the show. She ended up postponing that show until Monday when it was a little cooler. 
and not such dangerous conditions for everybody. So do you want to kind of explain how this girl could have overheated and how that contributed to her death? Well, there's been news reports that they were not letting people bring water into the stadium, which is which is a huge problem because most people, I, I think a lot of people are already just borderline dehydrated because they don't drink enough. We talk about this on almost every episode, how we're horrible at drinking water. And so if you go and you're not super hydrated as it is, just the excessive sweating could really start to dehydrate you pretty quickly. And what happened was she went in there. She wasn't feeling well. She got brought into the, I guess there's like a medical service tent or whatever there. And they brought her right to the hospital, but she was pronounced dead within an hour. And the thing is, is that our body temperatures are 98.6 degrees and we're you know, we're warm blooded mammals and it's, that's how our body functions the best. Our organs function the best at that temperature. So if it gets too cold, then you can get hypothermia. And if it gets too hot, you could get hyperthermia. And once you get hyperthermia, you can get heat exhaustion, which then could turn into heat stroke, which is, which is really dangerous and could cause a coma, seizures, and, and ultimately death. And I'm sure Taylor Swift feels horrible about this obviously i did i also heard reports that she was handing out water to people because people in the audience were actually signaling that they were having such a problem and you saw her gasping for air and she probably it probably scared the shit out of her honestly like which which is reasonable but this is kind of um reminds me of another story of that we did a high profile death dissection on with the astral world deaths it's, it's just scary when you have a large volume of people that that they can just they want to go for entertainment and then people end up getting hurt as a result of it. So it just it must make the artist feel really terrible about that. Yeah, I can't imagine she feels good. I feel like she really actually emotionally cares about her fans and their well-being unlike a lot of people that just want to make Travis money. Unlike Travis Scott that we <laughs> we don't really believe that he felt too bad about that. Well, it didn't seem yeah, like, like it I, anyway. I believe if you were following us around that time, we kind of like roasted him a little bit because it seemed like he was encouraging people move around a lot when the, he was knowing that conditions were already a little dangerous. But I, yeah, th- that is confirmed that she was definitely handing water out to people. I think it's really scary. I, I don't know how these performers are performing in these hot stadiums. I think about this because recently... Because this summer, I went to my first stadium concert ever. I saw Beyonce at Lincoln Financial Field. And I had, like, a nosebleed seat because I wanted to see her really badly but was definitely not paying hundreds of dollars for it. So I was kind of rushing to my seat because I got there a little late. I heard the show started exactly at 7 o'clock. I was rushing up to my seat. The elevator line was too long. The escalator line was too long. I walked up a ramp. And... By the time I got up to my seat on like the 30th row at the top of the section, I really felt like I was going to pass out. And I was like, I can't believe I'm so stupid to have put myself in this situation to not be two minutes late to seeing the start of the show because it was 95 degrees outside. It was disgustingly hot. And then the whole time I was like, how is she dancing in latex long suits <laughs> with, those, with this with going the bright on? lights and everything? Well, that that's another thing that they were saying about this show was that they did have some water accessible to people, but depend because there were so many people and depending on where you were sitting, some people couldn't easily 
get to it. So, yeah. And, and you could see that. I mean, when you went to see Beyonce, there were thousands of people there. It's just, it's very hard to, to be in control of a crowd of that size. Yeah, absolutely. And I just think the venue in Brazil ended up saying that now, from now on, people could bring in unopened bottles of water and, I just think this is a larger conversation worldwide that needs to be had because why is a basic necessity like water banned? I understand people well, could sneak in alcohol and other things. I don't things. know if they care about alcohol. They more care about like terrorism stuff, I'm sure, which which is well, understandable. Yeah, I totally understand that. We just have to kind of work on at these venues. This was a big problem. I don't know if you watched that Woodstock 99 documentary or if you remember it. That's when you were <laughs> in your late teens or we were 20 years old when that happened but they yeah, had a I bunch was of busy with exhaustion like a five-year-old too. at that time if you <laughs> if you recall so no I didn't watch that documentary I don't know it was on HBO a couple years ago but they they had a big problem with the heat exhaustion as well and people not being able to get water and everything so I think this is definitely oh, yeah, an I issue we see that. coming up regularly okay let's get let's get on to some juicy celebrity gossip Okay, our first story is, I can't even believe we're talking about this, let alone it's an article at all. Kim Kardashian's new ailment. I can't even pronounce this. So do you Coccidinia? What it is. What What is this? She She's saying that she has pain in her lower back slash butt, and she thinks she has a condition called coccidinia. And I'm going to tell you right now, the reason that I added this story is because I'm telling you right now that her lower back and her ass hurts because her ass is so big. And the the extra weight on her joints is is what's causing her pain. It's it's very clear to me. I can't believe no one's brought this up. Um, a big specimen that we get in surgical pathology every single day is breast reductions. And the reason that they do them and the reason because most insurances cover it is because it puts a, a strain on the back. It really puts people in pain on muscular skeletal pain. And I also did an autopsy once on an obese person and their belly was so big that when, when I opened them up, their rib cage was actually altered. The bones, the bones were actually way like bigger on the one side and squished over because of all that weight on the bones. And it, I, I'm saying this as a joke, but it's not it's not a joke. Coccidinia is more pre prevalent in people that are obese. And clearly, like, she's not obese, but her the weight around her waist is is a lot more than what should be there. And the coccyx bone is the it's the tailbone, even though it's like this little tiny thing. It has a lot of ligaments attached to it that and one of them attaches to the gluteus muscle, maximus muscle. And the weight, I'm telling you, the weight is putting strain on, on the joint. And that's why she's having pain. So, Kim, if you're listening, it's because your ass is big. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I saw this headline and reading this article and I'm like, they seriously have nothing to contribute. Their show's not doing well. They're just doing every nothing burger to try to get their name still in the press. <laughs> I really respect her as a businesswoman, but I think this show is not working out in the way they wanted it to, and we're just going to keep seeing these dumb little articles trickling yeah, it, in. It is dumb, but I, I think it's worth I think it's worth mentioning because that's it. It is a thing that that especially I mean I could just mostly relate it to breast reductions. All right, so this um, producer from the Euphoria from Euphoria, do you want to get into that, Ray? Yeah. So this producer, he was driving his ten year old home. 
from a tennis tournament. He was driving a Tesla on the autopilot mode, which is something we've talked about before because, you know, they they have this mode that I think people are not understanding correctly. I think it's supposed to be an elevated form of cruise control, not just like totally not driving at all. Um, but this guy was driving. He had an unknown medical event and the son was able, because the car was in this autopilot mode, the son was able to grab the wheel and kind of shut the car down safely since it wasn't driving like a normal car and call 911 and get assistance there. So the guy ended up dying and I don't think as of today they have announced what the exact cause was yet, but it's kind of, I think, a really good ad for Tesla that this child was saved in this situation where otherwise it might not have ended so well. Well, I think that the autopilot feature, like you were saying, is under a lot of scrutiny because it does, people just put it on and they just like sit back and take naps and shit and it causes accidents. It's caused a couple deaths. So this is, this is one example how that feature, it actually probably saved a life because a car, it, I, I was thinking I have a 10 year old, right? If I'm in the car with my 10 year old and the car's driving by itself and she's in the back seat, like there's a high probability it's going to crash. And depending on how fast you're going really it could really hurt a, a child and if not kill them so the whole the whole story is crazy to me that i i don't i i've never been in a tesla even so i don't know how exactly that function works i'm kind of curious about it though actually but um yeah i mean th this is they did say that that it was a, it seemed like it was a natural event that happened that there was no drugs and alcohol involved but they didn't say exactly what happened but there's only like so many things that could cause people to just drop dead like that cardiac event probably like stroke heart attack something like that there's there's other things too pulmonary embolism and things like that but um curious to see if they ever come out with that we always want to follow up with these stories and we never hear from them again but <laughs> that's that's more than likely what happened yeah and i I think this is one of those types of like marketing you could never pay for it just like this story happens and I think with all the scrutiny Tesla's been getting it's definitely going to work in their favor and now I'm kind of like wow like I, I might look into this kind of car if they have features like this. I'm not. All right Sharon Osborne. <laughs> I'm sorry I like to take road trips and I'm not a fan of like charging every couple hours but all right Sharon Sharon Osborne let's talk about her. So she's kind of one of few celebrities I've noticed that is speaking out against Ozempic. She has said she's lost 42 pounds in less than a year and she was getting to a point where she couldn't stop losing weight and it was getting scary for her. It seems like on her weight loss journey, she's lost 100 pounds total. Um, she's not really anybody I've ever thought needed to lose weight, but oh, she, I don't know. She I did thought maybe... Um... She struggled with her weight. Like, if you look at pictures from her back in the, the day when Ozzy was, like, huge, she was she was a little bit overweight then, for sure. She's had a lot of uh, weight loss. And I, do, I don't want to say this, but I believe there was a point where she had some kind of surgical procedure to lose weight originally, like, years ago. Um, but I'm not, I, I don't want to, I don't want to say that, but I'm pretty sure that she did. And, um... This is the thing with the whole Ozempic. I don't, I'm not a pharmacist, obviously. I don't, I just know personal experience and know what I read about it. But she, 
in my opinion, she's five foot two. So if she's saying she's under a hundred pounds, let's say she's a hundred pounds and she has lost forty-two pounds, she was a hundred and forty-two pounds, which according to the BMI chart would have made her like slightly overweight. I don't like like just over the line of overweight between normal weight. If she needed to lose a couple pounds, I just think that we should just stop this whole entire movement of like, just take this drug to lose 10 pounds or 15 pounds or even 20 pounds like that. You can do that yourself. I feel like, I feel like that's, that's the whole problem of it. I actually saw someone. Yeah, I think it's, go ahead. I think it's a good tool for people that have long-term weight loss issues and are severely overweight and need kind of that kickstart to doing it but I do agree that it should stop being used to lose just that classic five to ten pounds or whatever to try to fit in a dress or do something like that I saw this lady yesterday on tv who was saying that she took it because it I couldn't even believe what I was hearing well it was offered to me and everybody was taking it so I just decided to take it but I got really nauseous so I stopped taking it and I'm looking at this lady and like her the circumference of her arm is this big and I'm like, you, you, you didn't even need to lose any weight, let alone five pounds. And somebody gave it to you, which I'm assuming was a doctor because you can't just go buy it yourself and you took it. And I do think th that there's risk with every medication and every treatment, obviously, but like for, for people that are really dealing with obesity and all the comorbidities associated with that it's worth taking the risk because they can die otherwise with these with these comorbidities but just to lose five pounds it's not worth the risk and and one of the major things is is that it, it slows down the gi track and it could cause it could cause serious gi problems it, it's it's just not worth it for for five pounds when all you have to do is cut your calories for a couple weeks it's just it seems kind of uh ridiculous yeah for sure but let's start getting into the freak accident stories because I really want to talk about this next one. Oh. So out of Western India, we have a case of a 10-year-old boy that was attacked by a monkey. And I heard this and it was kind of shocking, but apparently this area is having this major problem with these monkeys. So my mom actually sent us this story. Did you, did you know that? Remember? No, oh, I yeah, didn't. she sent it. I was like, oh, good one. And if you guys ever find any cool stories you want to send, obviously send them over because we're always looking for good stories. But this this is this is crazy from this article. It says in quote that this boy was attacked by a quote notorious gang of monkeys. It, it doesn't that just sound crazy? Yeah, I mean, it really does. And then further down in the article, they discuss how the monkey problem was getting so bad that for certain monkeys, they were setting bounties, which I just can't even fathom living in this environment where monkeys are such a problem that people are like bounty hunting them. So it's kind of it's kind of wild. And the article also kind of talked about how monkeys aren't notoriously dangerous, but I feel like they're aggressive, but I feel like I've heard a lot of stories where they are aggressive. Well, I just saw a video recently of a monkey that went into a woman's purse and stole her wallet out and was kind of negotiating with her to give it food. And the lady like tried to hand it something and it wouldn't take it. And then she handed him another thing, like a more appetizing thing, like an apple. And the thing took the apple and gave her her wallet back. 
And I was just like, whoa, this is <laughs> this is kind of crazy. I mean, they are incredibly smart creatures and I guess looking into it more, they're saying they're more likely to attack if they feel if they're more cohabitating with humans and they feel either threatened or there's a food source that's threatened. So I guess they're in just such close proximity to humans in this area that they're more the statistics of the attacks are greater because of these factors. So it's definitely a really strange thing I don't think we deal with here, but I am hesitant. I don't know when I would ever be in a case to go near a monkey, but I feel like I keep hearing stories where I don't think I'd ever really want to pet one or go near one because I think they could become really aggressive really quickly and it's scary. I mean, think of Carla Nat. Yeah, exactly. What happened with her? And this this kid, I mean, this kid wasn't just killed by a monkey. This kid was clawed, had his abdomen cut open by the monkey and his bowels came out and died. That's how this kid died. It was a horrible, a 10-year-old kid, horrible, gruesome death. No, absolutely horrible. It just, I can't imagine that happening. I wonder why it was such an aggressive attack in the sense that it was ripping into the boy's organs and ripping into his body as opposed to just attacking them. Maybe, I maybe just don't it felt really threatened. Know. I don't know. Yeah, so then on to the next story, which I just, I have a million questions about, honestly. So this this 24-year-old girl was dealing with a breakup and she was like, let me have a couple of my friends over so we can just drink some tequila, smoke some hookah, and kind of forget about my problems. So they were smoking the hookah for a couple of hours, she said, with the windows and the balcony door open to her apartment, didn't really have any issues. So five, so they this was a total of five hours, so two hours of the smoking and everything, they had the windows open. Then they closed them two hours in. So... After four hours, one of the friends starts complaining that they have a really bad headache and they're having her lay down. They just believe it's part of all the drinking they've been doing and everything. And she's like, no, like it's it's really something's not right. Shortly after that, another friend starts having severe dizziness, headache, all these stuff. And then the girl herself starts feeling all these symptoms. And then an alarm goes off in her apartment and she's so confused about what's going on. So she turns it off and it comes immediately back on and she's like I don't know what's going on and calls 911. It was carbon monoxide and I am just confused where the source of the carbon monoxide is because the article indicates it came from the hookah but I think it was just happenstance that they were smoking the hookah when there was the carbon no, monoxide. No, no, it's poisoning. from the hookah. Okay. Yeah, the, uh, so, so a hookah is like is a, is a water pipe but you use charcoal to burn it. And okay, it's, I it's was like, very confused It's like by putting it. a charcoal grill in your living room, a small one, with the windows up. It, it's carbon monoxide is, you know, if you're cooking with a grill outside, you're totally fine. But if you put that same grill inside, it's not so much of a risk of the fire as much as the carbon monoxide that the fire puts off that could cause you to, to get seriously ill or die. So, yeah, she, um, mm. and, and this is the, the part of the story that, I think you're being a little nice because when I read it, I was just like, Jesus, these people need to like, there were so many warnings and, and they, she kept blowing it off. The biggest being like one friend has a headache. Okay. Whatever people get headaches, but then the other one gets a headache. You should be like, all right, something's a little weird. But then when your carbon monoxide detector goes off, 
I, I understand those things are annoying because actually that happened to us like a week ago. Like ours started going off in the middle of the night, but it, I guess the battery was going dead. But like, you, you get it. Um, but she she just completely blew off all of the signs that were telling her something was wrong. Turned off the carbon monoxide detector. It came back on when she plugged it in. So there's another warning sign. Still didn't really understand what was going on. And then one of the friends was like, I think we should call 911. And they did. And they brought them to... So the, the firefighters come in and they check and they could tell that the carbon monoxide level's high. And they brought her to the hospital and her carbon dioxide level was like... Or um, carbon monoxide level was around 17%. So in a, like in you, you or me, our carbon monoxide level would be like less than 2 or 3%. Smokers, sometimes they always have like a higher level because they inhale carbon monoxide all the time. But I mean, anything like if, if it gets to 20, you're, it's considered serious illness. So she's, she's pretty close there to having serious carbon monoxide poisoning. And what happens is when you breathe in carbon monoxide with oxygen, when it goes onto your cells that normally bring oxygen to all your organs, that carbon monoxide doesn't let the oxygen get, the molecule get released to go into your organs. And it causes severe symptoms, which it starts off with a headache. You always hear about that, but it, it could lead to coma death. It's an asphyxial death. And we wrote about that last year. Remember when all the, um, when a couple of those people died on their vacation in the Bahamas? And it turns mm -hmm. out that it was from a carbon monoxide leak. So... Yeah, the hookah itself is when when you have something like that lit indoors for multiple hours, that's exactly what happened. It's it it's scary, but I guess regular people just don't think about that kind of stuff. No, thanks for explaining that cuz I just the way in which the story was written, I was like, okay, they're seemingly blaming the hookah but also not directly saying it was that and I as a non-scientist don't understand how how this could happen and I think this is a really good I don't personally know anybody that smokes a hookah but I think this is a really good warning to a lot of young people that are inclined to do it and making sure that you have if you are going to do it you have proper ventilation taking all the proper steps you have to remember too that they were really intoxicated when all the signals started going off <laughs> yeah, so yeah you have to think that's really scary so at least this didn't end in tragedy and they all ended up being okay well i think that um there there's always this thing that people are always trying to find these safer alternatives to smoking and one of them is there's buzz that the hookah is safer because you're breathing it out of a water pipe and people have been doing it for centuries and but it's not it's not safe for multiple reasons number one you're still breathing in car when you burn any chemical and you breathe it in, it changes the composition of that chemical and it could become a carcinogen. So it could be a carcinogen, number one. And number two, the carbon monoxide risk is also, is also a health risk. This episode is brought to you by Stink Bomb. The holidays are coming up and this is the perfect stocking stuffer. It's great for people who maybe you have a new dad who's changing diapers for the first time and they can't stand the smell of their kid's butt. Or definitely 
nurses, people working in the lab and pathology, working in the morgue, just great for smells. I think it's great for men and women who work in the trash industry, especially because trash could smell really nasty. But it's also great for EMTs and first responders as well. And we'll talk, we have a case coming up later that we're going to talk about to tell you exactly why first responders need stink bomb. Yeah. So they are giving us a really, really awesome deal for the holidays. You could use code MKD15 on stinkbombodorblocker.com, and that is to get 15% off of all their products. Now we're going to get started with violent crimes. This week is especially weird because all of them involve young kids. So this first story we have in this section is about this kid that's now 18. His name is Jeremy Goodale. When he was 16 years old, November 2021, him and his friend devised a plan to kill their 66-year-old teacher because the teacher had given the friend a bad grade. So the friend has yet to be sentenced, but Jeremy has now been sentenced as of this week. So he has been sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole in 25 years. In Iowa, there's this requirement that if you're convicted of first-degree murder, that you have to be sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. But since he was a teenager when it occurred, they're kind of letting it slip a little, I guess, even though he was tried as an adult. I think this story is really concerning. The judge was saying he was clearly showing remorse, but still, he has to be accountable for his actions. And I think it's really terrifying that a 16-year-old who is so young just had the foresight to, to kill their teacher over a bad grade just to help their friend. It wasn't even for him. So it's really scary, and now his whole life is ruined because of this. All right. We need to talk about what the most terrifying part of this story is this week is that when this kid was sentenced, this kid that killed his teacher with a baseball bat, he started spontaneously bleeding out of his nose in the courtroom. Did you see the photo of that? It's so eerie to me. I did. and is I'm not so familiar with nose bleeding because I've never really experienced them in my life, but could they be triggered by stress? Yeah, so you, if you're stressed out, it, it, it's kind of a combination of both things. The, likely like the kids a, a nose picker or like rubs his nose a lot if you're if you're stressed so you can kind of rough up the nose by doing that and then being really stressed like something like figuring out where you're going to be spending the rest of your life for the, the rest you know what whatever this sentence is that he was about to get his his blood pressure and heart rate probably went really high which would just increase the risk of bleeding to occur so that's probably what happened like a combination of nose trauma and also stress but yeah it just I, there was something like really really eerie about it you know what I mean because you always have to think like what's going on in the mind of of a young person that's that that wants to kill somebody like they that they have these sick thoughts you know and it just was so creepy to see that yeah it's really disturbing and even more disturbingly is our next story about I'm sure everybody's seen this circulating in the news for like the past year, I guess, right? This happened earlier this year. So this this six-year-old had brought a gun to school and shot his teacher. How scary that he knew to bring it, knew how to use it enough to injure another person. The teacher fortunately survived. 
But do you want to talk about kind of the warning signs leading up to this event? Well, didn't didn't he tell another student like I shot that bitch dead or something like something crazy like that? There was something about that I remember yeah. reading about before. But yeah, I mean the kid. I, there, this story is just there's so many different parts to this story. Obviously, the first question is, how did this kid get a gun to put in his backpack to bring to school? But then the kid brought the back the gun to the backpack to school and apparently told other children or showed other children. And there were like three other warning signs and nobody did anything about it, which is why the teacher who got shot is actually suing the school right now, which she should. I, I'm 100 percent supportive of that. So Absolutely. the next part of the investigation is like, how did this kid even get a gun anyway? So the kid got the gun from the mom's house. Apparently she had it stored in a closet on a shelf that was far away from the kid, but the kid knew where it was and got it anyway. And this mom had, uh, apparently she was under the influence of, of some kind of drugs or alcohol. And she had other run-ins with the law with gun and substance situations. So I'm not sure what that's even about, but she went and got this gun it seems like she, like, tried to get it legally, but she lied on her application. You know how you have to say if you were ever convicted of this or that. And I we talked about this with Dr. Metzel on a, a external exam we did a couple weeks ago just about the gun laws and everything like that. Because, in my opinion, if this woman already had a history of run-ins with the law with guns and substances... When she goes to try to get another gun, there should be something in the system and they shouldn't be relying on people to be like honest and tell the truth about their history. So whatever it is, they she's gotten convicted of illegally purchasing a firearm and she's going to go to jail for only 21 months. And I, I'm not sure what's going to happen with the kid, but her uh, the defense was was saying like her going in jail is just going to exacerbate her mental health condition and. I can't disagree with that because it probably will. I can't imagine that if this family was already so broken that this six-year-old child decided to shoot his teacher and the mom was was some kind of an addict, that now her going to jail and that kid being in, in wherever he's going to be, I don't even know what they do. I mean, they can't press charges against a six-year-old, right? So he's going to have to be in the custody of the state. I mean, how's he going to be any better Unless somehow by, like, he gets adopted by some family that really loves him and takes care of him and gets him extensive therapy or something. Like, I don't even know. But this kid's now a product of, he's going to be in our society now as an adult. I, I, I don't even, I don't, I don't even know what the solution is. It's just such a crazy case. So the mom is getting, it, this is newsworthy this week because the mother is getting 21 months in jail for this case for possessing a firearm while on controlled substances and then lying on the purchasing application. And then she has also pled guilty to felony child neglect. So that sentencing is totally separate and that won't be till December 15th, but I don't know how that's going to go as far as if she's going to be away for longer. I don't know if it's going to work out that if she only goes to prison for a couple of years, is she going to get custody back of the kid or is he going to be put in the custody of a family member? It's We know how this story goes and it's not looking great and all we could hope is that this kid is just put in the right situation and has some chance at turning around 
this because it's not even his fault that all of this happened necessarily he's so little no, he's, he's, a so he's a baby he's a baby it's absolutely not his fault like it's people the adults around him failed him and it's it's just sucks so another disturbing child case we have is that a five-year-old has fatally stabbed his twin brother so they were in a fight one of them grabbed the kitchen knife and stabbed the other one it's you know, they, they've done an investigation and they're not pressing charges against anyone. And obviously it sucks, but like you, if you've ever had a sibling or you are, you, or if you watch people with siblings, kids, kids really screw, can mess each other up sometimes, um, knock each other's teeth out. We, we actually did a post in the grocery room once. I feel like it was about a kid that was like, Run, wasn't it about a kid that was running through a door or something and something happened and his penis got like chopped off because the sibling like shut the door and is on his penis or something it was something crazy but at the end of the post I said D does anyone have any situation where you hurt one of your siblings and everyone's got anyone that has siblings has a story like I'll never forget when we were in Disney World years ago my brother was like all up in my sister's face and she grabbed his tongue and like pulled it as hard as she could. I mean, it's funny like to laugh at about this now, but his tongue swelled up really bad and my mom got scared that she was going to have to take him to the hospital because like you can you can like block off someone's airway with with tongue swelling. It's it's really scary, you know. So, I mean, now now it's like funny to laugh about that, but like Siblings can really mess each other up. I think that um, my husband knocked his sister's teeth out. You know, it's like this is this just happens, right? And um, obviously, like a kid grabbed a kitchen knife. There's not there's no reason that the parents should be charged because there was a knife in the kitchen. That's normal. I just think it's just this. It's just like a sad, freak thing, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So our last story in this section is all about this woman that fatally poisoned her friend using eye drops. <laughs> so Jesse Kur I can't even say this last name and we're Polish. I should know how to say it. I'm gonna say Kur Just say Jesse. Thirty <laughs> Jesse. Jesse is a thirty nine year old woman out of Wisconsin. This story is so weird. I don't know if you find it as weird as I do. So five years ago, she's saying she gave her... This is how I'm understanding it. Five years ago, she calls 911 because her friend has, is having difficulty bleeding. And her friend is um, in her 60s. So she's telling the cops that she gave her a water bottle with the equivalent of six containers of Visine in it. And she didn't think this time was going to kill her because the friend always drank Visine. And she thought her body was used to it. So I was like, are you trying to play this off as a My Strange Addiction type of thing? Or did you murder this lady and you're acting like she had this addiction to drinking eye drops? Well, Visine is a drug that people sometimes abuse. It th There's all this, like, buzz that it causes, like, psycho, like, it, it almost makes you, like, trip or something if you take it. But it doesn't. It just, it just it kills you <laughs> if you take it and it's it's very toxic actually only one to two drops of it can can be fatal to a child so 
it's important because if you have a bottle of eye drops and a little kid, they don't have like safety um, lids on them and stuff. If a little kid has access to that and drinks it, that's it's it's a really big deal and it's fatal to adults too. But that and and another thing is is that like people that are that do drugs and stuff, they overuse the drops sometimes to mask that they are doing drugs because it clears their eyes out. But really, the chemical that's in it is what it it's called a vasoconstrictor. So when your eyes are red, it's because your blood vessels in your eyes are like open and they're engorged and you see blood through them. So the vasoconstrictor makes the blood vessels smaller in the eye. But if you eat it, it also makes your blood vessels in your body constrict as well. And you don't want the blood vessels around your heart, your coronary arteries to constrict because that's going to constrict blood flow to your heart or the ones in your neck to constrict blood flow to your brain so um it, it's it's toxic and i it is possible that the lady was taking vaseline or a visine as a as a drug but it it just when, when you hear the story of like this girl was like a daughter to her and she was about to get a huge insurance payout it seems more likely that that she poisoned her with it yeah, because her defense, Jesse's defense, was that really pushing this suicide narrative. Like, she she knew what she was doing. She knew it was a fatal dose taking this, but she took it all the time. So, kind of hands-off situation. But, yeah, it came out that she was a beneficiary of hers. And she, even though she was pushing this suicide narrative, the jury certainly was not yeah, going for no. it. So, she is guilty of two counts of felony theft and steal, for stealing from the woman. So this is really, really sad and scary, and we are going to have an interview coming up about with somebody that writes about poisonings, and I think something really interesting in her book was she said the different, that the difference between what makes it a poison is the dose necessarily, right? So we have all these everyday household objects, and the only thing that makes them regular to poison is just the amount we're consuming or accidentally given or somebody's purposely giving us to end our life so i think that's a really interesting point to bring up with yeah, this totally so on to medical do you want to talk about this story that happened at this hospital because i don't I, a lot of the stories this week are really confusing me and i don't know this story <laughs> actually confuses me too so there's there's a hospital in massachusetts salem massachusetts that came out this week and said that over the past two years, patients that have been going and getting endoscopies, which is when they stick a camera inside of you to check to see. They, uh, people get them all the time. They're checking to see if you have any problems with your esophagus or your stomach. I actually had one like three or four weeks ago, so which is scary because you just trust the place that you're going to. And um, they're saying that over 450 patients have possibly been exposed to hepatitis B, hepatitis C, or HIV. So my first thought with that is how? Because they clean the endoscopies every single time they use them in between patients. That would be, that was my first thought. Like, okay, it's coming from the scope. They're not cleaning the scopes correctly. But they're saying it had something to do with when they put the IV medications in, saying, quote, in a matter not consistent with our best practice. So I texted my friend Annette, who's a nurse, to say, like, 
you put in IVs all the time. Like, I don't really understand. I don't understand because everything is separate. Like, how, in order for there to be a risk, it has to be like you're using a needle from one person and sticking it in another person. So, we're just trying to figure out, like, like how this exactly happened. And they're not really saying exactly how it happened. I, j I just don't know where the cross-contamination occurred. But it's still, it's still really scary. They're, they're not saying what... Yeah, and they're not saying what's happening, and they're saying it was brought to their attention earlier this year. So I'm thinking this is really sounding familiar again with the the good nurse situation and what happened with Charlie Cullen. He was contaminating drip bags, so did they have somebody on staff that they were made aware was contaminating the drip bags or contaminating the equipment? I don't know. I think this is a really unusual case, and everything you just explained, it just doesn't even add up how these people would have exposure to this. I could see I could see it with the medications though, but how would you? Because Hep B, Hep C, HIV, they're they're bloodborne pathogens. So what are you? How is some patient's blood getting exposed to another person or getting biopsies or something? Like you could see. So like I had biopsies taken when I had my endoscopy. So they stick these little like clippers in down there and they cut a piece off, but sometimes you bleed a little bit. So that you could say, okay, that's where the blood source comes from. Because a typical endoscopy, like, you wouldn't have access to blood because you're just going in the tube and coming out. I, I don't know. The whole thing, I don't like it, but I, I certainly believe them when they when they say this. So who knows what happened. I hope they eventually tell us so it doesn't happen in another place. But it's scary that in 2023 that that this was happening for two years and they're just kind of saying it now. Yeah. And my favorite part of this is they said they're offering free testing to anybody oh, that thanks. was exposed. Like, <laughs> like it better fucking be free if you contaminated me. Yeah. Oh, that that's really nice of you. Thanks a lot. What? Gee, thanks. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about other death news. Okay. So this story is, is kind of wild. So it, I don't know. It's not uncommon, apparently. So this 24-year-old jumped to his death from a parking structure in Disneyland. So it is the sixth suicide from this parking structure since 2010, but the third since last December. So what do you think that's about? <laughs> People want to die in the happiest place on Earth, I guess. I was just going to bring that up. Do you think there's some psychology behind it? Like, I want to end my life in the happiest quote-unquote place on Earth. Yeah, I do, for sure. And we, so last year, maybe even two years ago at this point, we wrote a high-profile death dissection on, it was just Disney World, right? Yeah, just Disney World, but all the um, natural. Yeah, like all the people who have ever died in Disney World. It's a really, if you're a Disney person, you'll love this because we, we've always heard that they've never pronounced a death at Disney. There's like, and that's just a total lie. There's lots of people that die just like having a heart attack and there's been suicides there's been all sorts of insane things that have happened in Disney World so that was that was really eye opening for us researching that particular post but yeah i mean we we've been hearing and th this happened i i recall it happening a couple times in Disney World and i think that this article is specifically speaking to Disneyland so yeah, I think I think that there's definitely something to it. Like, why why would you go all the way there to do it? It's not really easy to get in there, right? And clearly, you're probably planning the suicide. So, 
Yeah, there there has to be some weird psychology behind it because I can't explain it. Because why else would you even pay all that money? Yeah. <laughs> even if you were gonna die, you yeah. could give it to somebody yeah, else. Yeah, I, I I don't know. But uh, jumping suicides is really is not a very common method of suicide. We are, we we did a celebrity death dissection what two weeks ago. Two weeks ago on Chesley yeah, Chris, about the beauty pageant queen. Yeah, a recent jumping suicide and just talked all about the statistics involved with that and everything. But it, really, it's not it's not common. And it's just sad because Disney World's like kind of a place you want to go to to escape all of the 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 horrible things that go on in this world. And you certainly don't want to think about, you know getting your coffee in the morning on your way to the park and walking with your kids hand in hand with your matching ears on. And then all of a sudden some person like splatters to the sidewalk next to you. It's kind of, it's a little depressing. Yeah. So on to this next story, this woman had died. Her family goes to her funeral. They like go through the, the regular motions. They go in there, they sign the book. And as they're approaching it, one of them's like, I don't think that's her. And then they get close to the casket. It's definitely not their family member in the casket, but the person in the casket is wearing all the clothes and jewelry that the family had brought for their deceased person. So they they confronted the funeral director about it, who was really rude and was like, well, you have to pay for this all over again. Yeah, and the family... Like, what? <laughs> and the family was like, you're going to have to get us new clothes and a new casket because you're not putting, like these clothes that are on this random dead lady on mm-hmm. our family member now, like we don't want it. It's kind of gross, which I, I, I kind of agree. Like it's, it's just kind of skeevy, you know, and they did eventually agree to buying new clothes for the woman, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't budge on the casket. No. And they put the same earrings on her, which really bothered them. <laughs> and my, like so the most up. annoying part of this was the publication reached out for comment and the funeral director said he could neither confirm nor deny the happenings <laughs> at the funeral home. Yeah, and this is this is not the first time I've seen a story like this. Like, obviously, I don't work in funeral homes. I don't know how often it happens, but I'm sure it's the same as in the hospital. Like, we don't autopsy the wrong person because there's multiple checks in place to make sure that this person is labeled and that this person looks like this person and multiple checkpoints. And I mean, at a funeral home, you're going to have the same thing. You might have a refrigerator that has two or three people in it, but you, there should definitely be checkpoints to make sure that something like this doesn't happen. Cause this could be very traumatic for people too, but their, their biggest point of this, which I think is like the public service announcement is thank God they had an open casket because if they didn't, they never even, they would have totally been visiting the grave of someone that wasn't even their family member and not knowing that their family member was who knows where it, it's it's kind of scary imagine getting that call imagine getting that call eventually that the, inevitably the other like your family member is going to turn up in somebody else's casket so imagine if they did not if it was two casket. closed caskets and then now you're just like how many times does this happen does it happen all the time how would you even know yeah, so I'm just thinking, imagine burying your loved one and then having the closure and then getting a call a couple days later being like, oh, the wrong the wrong person's in Th- there. This has happened. I have heard this happen before. Where a person gets cremated that shouldn't have got cremated and stuff. I mean, it, it, it sucks, but... All right, let's talk about 
this so this last case is is really 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 disturbing and just thank god for police and first responders because some of the shit that they have to see every day is just on another level so state police got a call to investigate a dead body they arrive at the house and they turn up to this house that's completely infested with rats there's feces smeared on the walls rats are everywhere and it turns out that this woman this woman and her two children who were 5 and 9 years old lived in this house and their father was deceased on the second floor his body was also covered by rats eating his corpse yeah so do you see now why like first responders EMTs they need stink bomb cuz could you imagine walking into a house that has feces smeared on the wall why would that ever need to happen rats everywhere and the rats are eating away at a dead decomposing body that must just smell completely horrible i can't even imagine and and how do you go home at night to your family when you see something like this and th- these kids these little kids were were right around their father being like like this i mean they didn't say that he was murdered by the wife they didn't really say anything as to how he died he was pretty i mean she he was probably a, a younger guy i guess i you can't really assume that but the the woman was well she was in her 30s right you can't assume that the dad was that old but you don't just die right so something was he on drugs was did she kill him i don't know what happened but it, it, I mean, right now she's just being charged with child endangerment. So it's, it's seemingly as of this point in time that she's not charged with murder or anything. But it's still horrible and really disgusting that children had to grow up in this environment. It's so messed up. Okay, on to our questions of the day. So just to start this off, every Friday we post on the at Mother Knows Death Instagram a little question box in the story. So if you want your question potentially answered, you could drop it in the box. We'll take a look at it and feature a couple on the show. So we had a couple really good ones this week. I want to start off with the first one, which is how does forensics play a role in pathology? That's a good question. So there's there's all different, there's about five different manners of death, we would say. You can die naturally, which means typically I would say that's pathology. That's when you have a disease or something that caused you to die. Homicide, you die at the hands of another. Suicide, you die at the hands of yourself. Or accident, you die accidentally. And then the other, the fifth manner of death is undetermined, which means we did the autopsy, we did the toxicology, we just have no idea how you died and it's used sparingly because obviously that doesn't that manner of death doesn't sit well with people but there's oftentimes you would say that the forensics forensic autopsies are done by the medical examiner's office let's say for example let's use philadelphia because that's where i live near the closest one and there's oftentimes that people that work in the medical examiner's office who are doing autopsies of homicides and suicides and accidents are also doing natural ones because people die all the time and they need to rule out if it was suspicious or not just because if you die at home and nobody really knows what happened and you didn't go to the hospital, sometimes just looking at your body laying there dead in your living room isn't really helpful and doesn't let the medical examiner know exactly how you died. So sometimes you have to go there and get an autopsy. And 
When I was interning at the medical examiner's office, I saw lots of natural pathology cases. I saw pulmonary embolisms. I saw heart, lots of heart things. I saw lots of cancers. So there's definitely like an overlap. And then also the other overlap is when you're working in the hospital, you get a lot of people at the hospital that get shot, get in car accidents, and but they, they get brought to the hospital and they live. They might live a couple days, they might live a week, but then they die. So you have forensic cases in the hospital as well. And we need to know like which cases need to go to the medical examiner's office, which cases need to stay with us just because they're natural pathology cases in the hospital. So I hope that answers your question. All right, next. Have you ever done an autopsy on a prisoner who was executed? No. So it, the only two places that I've done autopsies are in the state of New Jersey and capital punishment doesn't happen in New Jersey and the last time someone was executed was like in the 60s. And in Pennsylvania, capital punishment is a thing, but they haven't executed anybody since 1999. So, no, I haven't. All right, next. Is it true that pacemakers explode in the crematorium? So, <laughs> I get asked this a lot. I, I've never cremated a person, so... I personally have not experienced it, but I do know based on medical literature that I've read that, yes, they do from time to time. It's just not common, but they are lithium-ion batteries, which we are, we're interviewing someone about that, a firefighter, about that next week because of all the recent fires in New York. But um, when they burn at a certain temperature, they they can cause ex like an explosion in the crematorium. So there has been documented cases of it happening but it doesn't happen it doesn't happen all the time i can tell you that i've been shocked by by a pacemaker one time oh really yeah and i don't know exactly what i did wrong but it did scare i mean obviously like it wasn't even enough that i needed medical treatment it just zapped me a little bit but when when i do the autopsy and i open up when i do the y incision underneath of the flap that we have to cut the wires because it's kind of a, like a battery that's underneath a pocket of skin up here and then the wires go into the heart so you have to cut it because it's hard it's not really worth it to try to dissect it out intact when you're not really looking for that and I would just cut it with scissors and one time when I cut it it, it zapped me so obviously like the metal against the electrode like w could cause that but all of these studies done say that people that do autopsies are not at a risk of like a really bad shock because we wear like rubber gloves and sometimes multiple pairs. I think they were saying in one of the research papers that I read that two pairs of, of the rubber gloves were the safest. And there is a possibility at that point of the autopsy, maybe I only had one pair on for whatever reason. I don't know. I don't know what I did wrong, but every single time after that, I would just cut and be like, Please don't happen. Because <laughs> it just was like enough to just feel kind of gross. Yeah, I mean that's that's really interesting. I I hope you asked the the fireman about. Well, I guess you wouldn't have to ask him. I didn't think about having the lithium ion battery in your own body, and if that could potentially be a fire hazard as well. Yeah, I'm not I'm not really sure. Like I I don't really have much experience with pacemakers other than taking them. I, I would get them in surgical pathology a lot when they were taken out of people and I took them out of a lot of people, but I really don't, I don't really know much about the ins and outs of them. So 
we could ask for sure. Like, has a person ever caught on fire because of uh, a lithium ion battery inside their body? I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm sure that the way that, that the things are made, it's just, it's just different, but maybe not just, I really don't know. I'll, I'll look it up because I'm kind of interested in that now, honestly. Okay. Our last question is what are both of our guilty pleasures? Do you want to start? I don't know. I like a guilty pleasure is like, what are you saying? It's like something that you're like embarrassed that you like or something. Yeah. I guess it's like the definition is something you like. That's not highly, like, like highly regarded is the actual like, definition. Like talking of about dead people all day and stuff like that. I, I don't know. Like, I guess I would say one, um, I watched this show called Bunked with my kids and it's like, it's, it's definitely a little kid show, but it, I love it. And I feel like my husband makes fun of me. Cause I'm like, I, I would prefer to watch that show. Like I don't even need the kids to be around to watch it. Cause I think it's written really well and it's funny. And obviously like I'm into, I, I always say this to you guys that I really like to watch shows that cause like life and autopsy and everything is so just depressing and serious that Whenever I watch stuff for entertainment, I want it to be, like, happy and funny. And watching a show like Sex and the City, of course, is, like, it's funny, but it's it's easy to make funny jokes when you use curses and when, and when you talk about sex. But to write funny stuff that's, like, G or PG rated that could be funny, I think is, like, extra clever. So I guess I think that's why I love that show. <laughs> but it's kind of embarrassing because, like, it, it's not something that... Um, that people that are like 44 years old typically watch probably. So I guess that I would say it's bunked <laughs> on the Disney channel. How about you, I Ray? Mean, <laughs> Beat that. <laughs> Genuinely all my pleasures. I'm not guilty about, even though they could probably be categorized be. <laughs> as guilty pleasures. No, I, I'm, I'm not like trash television. Like reality shows are generally guilty pleasures. I'm not embarrassed to love them. I really love them. Um, I eat pretzels with ketchup, which is probably not popular. I, Wait, I will like also blindly defend that. No, like if you get those, well, now we're gluten free, but before I would get like microwave super pretzels and dip them in ketchup, and they were delicious. Oh man, I miss. I preferred so it to bad. mustard, like, like a Wawa pretzel. I would just eat that yeah. every single day. Yeah, I mean pretzels are one of my favorite snacks ever, so that was a really huge hit, but. That is something I really enjoy doing, but not with salt. It has to be like a saltless pretzel <laughs> ketchup. I'm still not embarrassed of it, though. I guess one of my guilty pleasures is I still like to drive around and like sing emo music in my car, like my romance <laughs> and Fall Out Boy. We, we did not need to know that. <laughs> I, I'm not embarrassed of it, though. Like, I do it because I like it. I was obsessed with them. But I was oh, I know. We should tell the story about when. Maria was how old were you? Was like, was I with Gabe yet? I don't even know. I feel like I wasn't even. I had to be eleven or yeah, twelve. Yeah, she was like she was like eleven or twelve. It was before I even met Gabe, and um, she she we finally got her tickets to the My Chemical Romance concert, and she was so ready to go. She was like obsessed with that. What was his name? Gerard or something? Was that? Yeah. Yeah. She was like obsessed with this guy, and she like had all the albums and wore the t-shirts and everything. And then he had to cancel the concert because he was, like, sick or something. 
they got like food poisoning or something and they had to cancel the Philly shows. Yeah, she she, she was like I feel like I let her stay home from school that day so she could cry all day. Like, it was it was bad. And I still don't think that she's quite over it because you've never... Have you seen them? No, right? I've seen them two times. Um, they... Ugh, I'm so annoyed. When they... They came in 2020... They, they were supposed to come in the fall of 2020. And in February, the tickets went on sale. I remember this day because I worked the Wing Bowl, which if anybody's from Philly, it's like a bunch of strippers and gross men eating wings that sounds really fun it's a good (laughs) it's a good event to work if you want to make quick cash but anyway i remember we just got done because it happens at six o'clock in the morning so the tickets went on sale at 10 we just got done working it me and my friend sam and i was trying to get the tickets and i my phone kept crashing out and then they ended up being like three hundred dollars a ticket I'm like, this is yeah. ridiculous. They were like 18. I feel like Pop-Up talking about it. Like, these were $18 back in my day. <laughs> yeah, I, that sounds like me every single day of my life. I just can't, I can't even imagine that everything costs a lot. And I'm like, all right, this is how you like officially know that you're old. I don't know. They have a really cool sweatshirt on their website I saw earlier today. I was just looking that it's like collegiate and it's, it says dead. And I thought that would be really cute. So somebody that knows them should have them send me that oh shirt. Oh my God. <laughs> or you could just buy it. <laughs> Uh, sure. Or Christmas and my birthday is coming up, so you never know. Anyway, if you want to buy some things that are themed dead and have anything to do with us, you can check out the links in the description of this episode. We have a favorite things page where it's some products we really love. It shows some of our sponsors, too. If you can't remember the link or the promo code, that's all on there. We have holiday cards, book plates. You could also buy my mom's book it's on amazon it's an awesome coffee table book the perfect little christmas present if you want to freak somebody out but it looks really beautiful so it's unsuspecting and we have merch as well so it's cute little merch you could gift to yourself your friend your colleague whatever but i'll put all those links in the description also don't forget to leave us a review if you really like the podcast because we just we really need to get some reviews so just Leave us one with your honest opinion in it, please. All right. Well, thank you, guys. And I hope you all have a happy Thanksgiving. Happy holiday shopping to our fellow shoppers. We know it's a very important weekend Oh, yeah. We're doing Black Friday, field. right? The kids, oh, the yeah. kids are all like, what's Black Friday? <laughs> and we're trying to explain to them, you know, before this internet thing, they just, like, can't wrap their mind around, like, life before that. But, um... So we're going to try to go out at like what Lillian thinks we're going to wake up at like two o'clock in the morning and try to go shopping or whatever. And I was like, maybe we could do like six. Let's let's not go too nuts. Are are you like your sister's going to be here at 3 a.m.? So I just don't understand. Like, do they have like like I could just lay in bed and do it. I know that we're going to go get, get a coffee and it'll be an experience. But what is Black Friday even a thing at stores anymore? Actually, there's something I really want to get Ricky that we can maybe get at a store on Friday. Wow. It'll be worth waking up at 6 a.m. just for that. All right, guys. Well, if the deal is right. (laughs) Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for listening to Mother Knows Death. As a reminder, my training is as a pathologist assistant. I have a master's level education and specialize in anatomy and pathology education. 
I am not a doctor and I have not diagnosed or treated anyone, dead or alive, without the assistance of a licensed medical doctor. This show, my website, and social media accounts are designed to educate and inform people based on my experience working in pathology so they can make healthier decisions regarding their life and well-being. Always remember that science is changing every day and the opinions expressed in this episode are based on my knowledge of those subjects at the time of publication. If you are having a medical problem, have a medical question, or are having a medical emergency, please contact your physician or visit an urgent care center, emergency room, or hospital. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Mother Knows Death on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or anywhere you get podcasts. Thanks. Thanks.